Well, it is gardening talk back. That means Scotty Sharp joins us. Scotty, already complaining about all sorts of things. Well, what's what's going on over there? Well, I'm not, I'm not used to having my little comfy blanket, Greg, here with me. Yeah. I, I, I need him here. I need things <laughs> just so, just so. Because you know, I've come in and I've said. I think we're going to have to shake it up a bit. We're going to go freestyle, Scotty, on Gardening Talk back today. Oh, we're on a wing and a prayer here today, I'm you sure. Uh, one thing we are going to do a little later, we're actually going to hear you in a different light. No. We are. No. We are. We're going no. to hear Scotty Sharp as you've never heard him before. <laughs> oh, please do Unless you're hearing later today. Scotty, uh, Gardening Talk back, 49216216. Do you have a topic that we'll be talking about today, if time permitting? What are we going to talk about today, Mark? <laughs> I, I can't do everybody's job for them. You are the gardening expert, Scotty. I am not. Look, I, I thought we'd talk about a couple of uh, new plants out there. Uh, Palaya, uh, zebra plant. It's been around for a long time, but a fantastic plant. And another indoor plant, the Cascade Palm. And what to do when your citrus is fruiting and everything's dry. Oh, get some tablets for it, maybe? Well, sort of. What's, what's, what's the name of that first plant, that new plant that you said? Palaya. 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 Uh, so it's not... Player, as in player by name. Or, no, 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 no. Player. That wouldn't be me anyway. No, well, I don't know. With Might that smile, you. with that smile, Scotty. Good afternoon to you, Brian from Gorakin. You've got a question for Scotty about black spots. Yeah, yeah. Good day, uh, you guys. I um, I know that you can get something to spray for black spot, but I've got two, three huge Mariahs that are not affected, and and right amongst them, I've got uh, what is a? I've got the card here. It's a Mandevilla. Sanderi, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I've never had black spot in the last couple of months. Two of these bushes have got the black spot really bad. Also, uh, I've got a low shrub. It's got a leaf like a um, maria, but it's it's variegated, and that's got black spot. I was, now, if I get the, the spray to spray for black spot, do I pull all the leaves off that are affected or just spray them? No, you should just be able to affect them. Look, mate, it's it's unusual that you've got black spot on Mariahs. Uh, you know, maybe the man, no, maybe not the on the Mariahs. Oh, not on the Mariahs. Okay, on the on the uh, this um, Mandevilla. You know, yeah, the Mandevilla. Yeah. They've got a really bad. Yeah. And this other, as I say, the variegated ground cover bush that I've got. I've had them for a long time, but never had black spot, and I've got them now. Yeah. So look, there, there's a couple of products you can get out there and and get. One's called Triferine, and that's. Uh, you know, use, people who have got roses usually use triferine to keep the black spot under control. Uh, so get that and spray it all over. Uh, look, doing it, uh, you know, once or twice isn't going to, uh, you know, sort of cure the problem. It's one of those things you have to do every week just to try and keep it under control. And the other product you can get is called uh, copper oxychloride. It's a, a sort of a more uh, general purpose fungicide that you can use, you know, for all sorts of funguses, but it will certainly work on black spot. And uh, you can give it a spray with that as well. So all of these are, are uh, products that you actually spray on the plants. Okay. Is it just come because of the humid weather? Yeah, that's it. It, it is just because yeah. of the humidity. And uh, February and March here in Newcastle, yeah, you know, especially for people with roses, always a difficult time to keep the black spot under control. Uh, yeah. But it's really strange at the moment. It's very humid, but we're not having rain, and that's what I can't quite put my finger on. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it certainly is humid, and I, I guess you probably will be getting the problems uh, like you are on, on your Mandevilla. Yeah, I've never had it, never had it. Okay, what was the last product? The yeah, the, chloride. Yeah, copper oxychloride, isn't it? Copper Co- oxychloride, yeah, okay, copper I'll get some of that. Copper ground, yep. You know, or they use yeah. it in pipes, I think they might as well. Uh, all sorts of places. All sorts of places, yeah. Copper oxychloride, it's a powder. Uh, you just mix it up in, in water um, and then you just spray it on. It leaves sort of a bit of a residue on there. Uh, it might be the one for you to get, actually, Brian, because it leaves a residue uh, which will protect the plant over the, you know, the coming weeks. Okay. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Hey, Hope good on you. Glad that Scotty could help you out there. Just, there's so many things that can go wrong in the garden, isn't there? I like, know. Oh, it's, it's almost like owning a Land Rover. <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Yes. And you even had a crack at the weather there, I noticed. I did. I yeah. did. Did you get it right? I, I, look, I'll, I'll dabble, I'll stick my, my more into anything. Of course, Scotty, a couple of other sort of green patches around the country that were, were kind of in shape this year, but they weren't for our favourite teams was on the cricket field, were they? No, no, they weren't. And of course, uh, my favourite team all dresses in green. Mm, as, they do. Uh, you know, it had to be, you know, the Thunder. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, well, I'm the other Sydney team for the Big Bash, which is the uh, the Sixers. We basically did no good this year yeah, either. I think it was last year as well. They didn't do too well. Or the year before that as well. But uh, the Thunder, the, yeah, look, I think they were shorter batsman mm. and, and, and the coach has gone now too he has unfortunately i don't think it was his fault but uh yeah look next season get another batsman in get rid of mcclennigan the new zealander mm-hmm. and i think they'll do pretty well do you ever notice when it when your sporting team wins we win but when your sporting team loses they lost yeah look i, I felt all of the pain though so mm. all of the pain of them losing yeah, well, that's uh, that's a wrap up of the cricket field this year, Scotty. <laughs> uh, still got a free line four nine two one six two one six for gardening talkback. We might start on the topic that you've got for us this time around. Yes, I was going to have a quick chat uh, today about cascade palms because they're a really, really great little palm for indoors. Mm-hmm. Now we do a little bit of plant hire. Uh, and I only mention that because I get to see how plants operate in different environments, in you know, shade, in hot places, in air conditioning, under fluoro lights. So is, is this what I think it is? Like the, it's just like hiring anything else. It goes out to your place yeah. for a week for you might have a function or something, you want it to look good, then it comes back to the nursery, and then the next week it goes somewhere else. So it's, therefore it's going to be different. Well, these, the ones we do are for, usually for offices, so it's for long term. Yeah. Gee, I buggered that up, didn't I? Yeah, for long, for long term. So I get to see how a plant performs, mm. and uh, I've actually put some cascade palms into a into a place that uh, is very, very dark. And uh, usually, you know, I believe that a cascade palm is going to be, you know, more susceptible, you know, and would fall over a little bit, you know, more easily than a kentia palm in those conditions. But uh, I've been watching the watering; I haven't been overwatering it, and the cascade palm has been doing very, very well. Very well. Wonderful. Yeah, and they're, a, they're a nice little clumping palm. They're actually uh, native to Mexico. If you like the food down there, you're going to love the palm as well. <laughs> and the other, the other good thing about them is they don't get too tall. They only get to about uh, two metres. Uh, look, they will uh, you know, grow, of course, outside in uh, you know, dappled um, you know, sunlight. You wouldn't put them out in the full sun. I think they'll probably get a little bit burnt then. Um, but certainly they're doing quite well in dark spots, uh, but with you know, minimal water, we're keeping them very dry. I'm okay. very surprised about them. Which, which is good to hear. So something that's fairly manageable, which is fantastic yeah, if you're a yeah. gardener like me. It's not good. Yeah. All righty, good, uh, good afternoon. Brian from Thornton, you've got a question for Scotty Sharp this afternoon about orchids. Yeah, mate. Um... I'd like to know how many varieties of orchids are there for outside. I know of one, but it's some bidians. And I'd just like to wonder, is there any other orchid uh, that I can put outside? Um, they'll be in their own pots outside. Uh, available. Yep. yep. Yeah. Look. So, I mean, the great. This is one. The great thing about orchids is that they will all grow outside. Uh, now. The trouble trouble here in Newcastle is sometimes it gets a little bit cold during winter for some of the more tropical ones like Phalaenopsis orchids to actually grow. But the thing I always, you know, remind people is, well, back, you know, when plants sort of first started out, you know, eons and eons ago, there was no indoors. 
you know, plants had to survive outside in nature. And they survived in, you know, in under trees. So most orchids are actually uh, epiphyllites. They come from the, the rainforest and they grow in under trees. They just use their root system to cling onto the branches of trees. So they're not really absorbing in too much moisture. Uh, so, look, I guess the, the short answer to your question, uh, Brian, is that, yeah, any orchid can grow outside, but you just have to be able to protect it from the cold and, uh, you know, from the wind, especially in winter. So the best, the best one usually is the cymbidium orchid. That's the thin, strappy one that you see. And uh, yep. they're, they're going to do the best outside. Uh, you know, I've seen them grow out in the full sun, probably not the best place to have them. Certainly in dappled sunlight is, is you know, where you're going to get the best result. Um, but look, yeah, if you want to keep your phalaenopsis orchids outside, you'd have to keep them on a, a veranda or in a little hot house or something like that just to get them through winter. Yep. Okay, then, Rod, you've answered my question. That's all right. Um, do, you have a, uh, do you have a range of orchids up at your... Um uh, uh, nursery and Street. Yeah, so look, the, the thing about orchids is they're seasonal. So most garden centres are only going to carry them when they're in flower. Uh, Phalaen- yep. Phalaenopsis orchids, though, are almost a year-round prospect now because they're largely imported and they're just, you know, all grown in hothouses here in Australia. Uh, Cymbidiums, yep. though, the ones, you know, the strappy ones with the really big flowers, they don't come on until about May, June, July. That's when you start to get the uh, majority of those cymbidiums coming through and flowering. So they are a seasonal thing. Wonderful. Some great advice. Hope we can help you out there, Brian. And heading to Toronto now. Good afternoon, Bev. You've also got a question for Scotty this afternoon about orchids. How can we help you with them, Bev? Uh, yeah, well, I have got a Cattleya just following on from yeah. um, growing orchids outside. And this Cattleya has been neglected. But <laughs> anyway, it's thriving now. And I've, I, it's always been under a tree outside. And um, I've been giving it, um, is it uh, Flourish? Yes, yep. No, the orchid uh, liquid food. And, uh, oh, it's got beautiful new growth and it has lovely flowers. Uh, But my question is um, about the Phalaenopsis that you buy, you Mm -hmm. know, as gifts. Yes. And um, there's one that has gradually died, died, died back. And but the there's a couple of little shoots coming out. I was wondering, should I keep it? What should I do? The leaves have all died and dropped off. Um, so should I just throw it out, or do, while the new little roots are there, should I keep it? Oh no! Look, I'd definitely keep it. I've I've had one. Actually, I've had two now at my house, and uh, I, I think I've probably had them for nigh on five or six years now, quite some time. Now, I I think this gets back to what you first mentioned about your catalaya. I think with an orchid, if you can find the right spot for them there's no holding them back they'll, they'll just go absolute gangbusters um, but uh, if you haven't got them in the right spot then they really do struggle so like you said the catalaya under the tree it's protected from the sun uh, you know it might be out of the window touch as well if it's you know on one side of the tree uh, but yeah that that's it's always finding that spot and with my phalaenopsis i've got them in a uh, sort of uh, north facing window dappled sunlight but in winter the uh, the uh, deciduous trees in my backyard drop all their leaves and it lets through a whole lot more sunlight so they do very very well there and uh, look i wouldn't throw it away uh, just uh, give it a little bit of uh, fertilizer like you've been giving your catalaya and see how it goes mm, i've got it inside you know on the kitchen near the sink yeah. and i've got three others there various sizes and they're doing very well okay well but look- i yeah, look, I'll, I'll persist in that case. If you've got a spot where they're doing very well, um, yeah, just keep them, keep it in that spot in that case. 
But those, you know, you get, uh, they send out a root that grows around and, you know, hangs out and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Well, it's sort of withered. There's a couple of those that have just withered. Should I leave them on or cut them off? Oh, look, if they're withered, just cut them off. Uh, look, I've got those on mine as well. I just leave them, um, but only because I'm lazy. There's no other reason except for that. Uh, but if you want to cut them off, you certainly can. Uh, did you just get this one recently? or No. No, I bought this one as a gift. Um, oh, must be over a year ago. Yeah. And um, uh, the friend moved away and she couldn't take it with her, but she left it outside for someone to bring up, bring up to me and it didn't get any attention for about four to six weeks and when it came up it looked very sick so i've nursed it along and tried you know to do everything i can for it but it's just simply it was a beautiful beautiful pink flowering phalaenopsis but um yeah just died right back yeah you sound like a, you know, like you have a house for stray cats and, you know, all that. You sound like you're a house for stray Phalaenopsis orchids and they come to you and you look after them and you feed mm. them, you know, stroke them, put them on your lap at night in front of the fire and stroke them, all that sort of stuff. And, and, they'll, look, and they'll come good for you. Uh, they are actually a tough little plant. And if you've got that uh, correct spot where you've got the other ones, then I reckon it's, uh, it's going to go gangbusters for you as well. Oh, great. Okay. Good. Thank, thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks for that, Bev. Good. Thank you very much, Bever Toronto. There's a lot of orchids around today, Scotty, as we as we continue this afternoon. It's what's, not, what's... No, it's not quite the time of year for yeah. them, but uh, people must be getting ready, uh, you know, preparing them, splitting them if they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you wouldn't split at the moment your orchids because uh, then you probably won't get flowers in the coming months, so your cymbidiums. But, uh, yeah, look, a lot of people's phalaenopsis are probably just falling out of flower now. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, people are becoming a lot more aware of them because they're uh, a lot cheaper than they used to be. Good afternoon, Beverly from Raymond Terrace. Naval Oranges are... No, Beverly's gone. Well, we'll see if we can get her back. Uh, let's see who else do we have here. Pamela from Summerland Point. You've got questions about mango trees and passion root vines for Scotty today. Yes, that's right. How can we help you, Pamela? Um, it's just that you gave me advice about the mango tree and we followed it. And we got 20 beautiful mangoes off. Now they're all picked. What should I do now to sustain, like, the tree, you know, anything or just leave it? No. Now, I would actually give it a, a bit of a feed at this time of year with your mango. I'd give it uh, some cow manure if you wanted to because there's still plenty of time for it to go down into the soil and be absorbed up into the tree and, uh, you know, make it grow for you. Right, cow so, manure. Yeah, yeah, so now's the time to do that. Did you give it a prune last time? You have to jog my memory, I'm sorry. No, sorry, no. Um, it, it is only a smallish tree, mm-hmm. so we did not give it any pruning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent, so, okay. Yeah, so look, if, and if it is still a small tree, just leave it be. Don't worry about uh, pruning it at the moment. Right. Uh, but yeah, sorry, now it is in the ground? Yes, yep, yep, yep. So I'd get some cow manure and give it a good old feed with cow manure. Okay, great. Um, and uh, the other is a passion fruit vine. We've got a bumper crop. Mm-hmm. Now they're, or that, they're all sort of picked. Do we cut that back at all or trim just the tendrils or what What should we do? Uh, give that a feed as well? Yeah, to give that a feed. You can give that cow manure as well. Now, the other, other product that I should have mentioned uh, that's very good to have in the, uh, in the uh, shed is uh, sulphate of potash. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah, because it promotes flowering and fruiting in plants. So giving it to your mango and to your and passion fruit is going to be an ideal thing. 
Okay, sulfate of potash. Okay, okay, then that's all I need to know. Okay. And okay, then thanks for your help. Not a problem Uh, at all. uh, Thanks for that, Pamela. Wonderful, Pamela. Could I actually jump in, Scotty? I think we've got some more advice for her with the mangoes. You ready for it? Yeah. Like next time, just bring them into the radio station so we can eat them. They well, sound lovely, don't they? And the passion fruit. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. We, you know, I, I've been banging on like that for a number of years now, and no one has actually brought us in any fruit that we've helped them grow. That is going to change. Yeah. That will change. It will if, happen. And if you can do that, I don't I don't want Greg back. I'll keep you every week. <laughs> Fair enough. Heading to Aberglassen. Good afternoon, Marlene. You've got a question about uh, roses for Scotty Sharp today. Yes, I have. Scott, I've had a double delight in the ground for about eight years. It grows like gangbusters, but it will not flower. Oh, dear. Uh, What are you fertilising it with? Um, Sudden impact. Yeah. Dynamic lifter, um, sea salt. Yeah. So sea salt's fantastic for the root system, so mm-hmm. don't don't worry about that too much. Right. Um, now, what I was trying to... Yeah, not using too much nitrogen, so you're not putting grass clippings? No, no, no okay. definitely not. Now, it could be that the pH of the soil could be a little bit out of whack, so what I would do is grab some of that soil and uh, take it down to your local garden centre. Uh, I've got other roses in the same bed. They're going like wildfire. Are they? Yeah, okay. uh, Just Joey, Mr. Lincoln, Papa mm. Milan. Um, yeah, I've got a white one, which I can't think of the name. Yeah, They're yeah. all in the same bed. It's just this double delight. Okay, that sounds really, really unusual. That it's because mm. you know, double delights are you know typically a very prolific flower. Uh, flower, they do very, very well. well the, that's what I thought. Yeah, the only thing I can I can suggest to you is get a, a pH, um, you know, test of the soil from around that particular rose, and mm-hmm. uh, just start using sulfate of potash, uh, you know, on that particular one. How uh, often? Oh, look, you can use it uh, probably every month, and it's not again, it's not one of those things you just sort of add to the soil and expect it's going to, you know, mirac- miraculously make your roses bloom. You have to start building it up in the soil. So that's probably a good one just to, you know, give specifically, uh, you know, to that, uh, to that rose. Right. Okay. Now, okay. And, uh, look, uh, dynamic lifter, it should be pH neutral. I'd probably cut back on the dynamic lifter with that one and just keep on using the sudden impact. Uh, yeah, don't stress too much about the sea sole either. I'd be just going with sudden impact and sulfate of potash. And how often for the sudden impact? Uh, again, you can use that uh, according to directions. Right. Uh, but I, I would think probably every three to four weeks. Weeks. Okay, then. Thanks very much, Scott. Okay, thanks for that, Marlene. Wonderful. Thank you, Marlene. Some uh, great advice there about roses. Of course, just on the back of Valentine's Day, we're good that we had some rose inquiries there, Scotty. Well, I was down at my local cafe this morning, mm-hmm. and there was some roses that someone had obviously put in the vases around the tables. Yeah. On Valentine's Day, but like love, it, they'd all drooped and <laughs> were looking, oh, hang on a minute. Looking, Hello. A little, <laughs> looking a little bit tired and, uh, you does, know, forlorn. Does, does anything special happen at the Scotty Sharp household around Valentine's Day? Oh, not for me, no. No? No. I didn't get anything either. Nothing came to me. Oh, no. Barely a thank you. That's a bad idea. Oh, dear. So, yeah, look, so love, yeah. Those poor roses. Just they just went, yeah. oh, all gone. Maybe yeah. that's what that noise was that just came in at the end. More, more When we were speaking to Marlene, more roses just dying. Well, I thought the honeymoon period was supposed to last longer than, you know, between the, uh, the 14th <laughs> until the, <laughs> the 19th. Five days, but, you know, the yeah. honeymoon period's at least meant to last six to nine months, isn't it? A little bit more robust than a couple of days, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. All righty, still got a couple of lines for you. Probably your last chance to talk to Scotty Sharp this afternoon about flowers, about cricket, about love on Gardening Talkback. 49216216. Now, we were going to play we we're going to let 
we can do it, can't yeah, we? We don't have to, though. We well, don't we, have to. I, I know you've been listening to our TMG Carpool Karaoke that's been floating around, and we've been giving you the chance to go and see the Ted Myra gang. However, you have to guess who was in the car. Now, Scotty Sharp, I can play this because... I, uh, I could dive over the, the desk here and sort of stop you now, but you've handcuffed me. It's too late. Yeah, it's too it's late, too late now, yeah. Because we've already had you come up in the one we did early this morning, so mm-hmm. we can just... This is Scotty Sharp singing a bit of don't Jump have, In My Car. I have to do this. Too late. Here it is. Here comes Scotty. Jump in my car. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? I want to take you home. It's very Leonard Cohen, isn't it? It is very much so. Here we go. Jump in my car. <laughs> what can you say? It's too far to walk on your own. I'll only play this next line, then we'll cut it for you, okay? No, thank you, sir. Oh, come on. I'm a trustworthy guy. Richard from Corlett, you have a question about uh, salamanders for Scotty Sharp this afternoon, Richard. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, Scott, I've got a, an alamander that's been in for a couple of years. Last year, the flowers were absolutely magnificent. This year, not a flower. And I was just wondering what I hadn't done or what I'd done too much of. Uh, I, look, I think I can answer that one pretty easily for you. Uh, it's going to be the rain. Uh, you know, alamanders are a tropical plant. You know, they, they love that humidity and the rainfall to go with it. I, I think, you know, like so many plants at, the, at this point in time, uh, you know, they're struggling a little bit. They're suffering with the, the dry conditions. And I, I think that's probably going to be the, the case with you. You're up at uh, Corlett, Richard? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and look, so I can only imagine pretty sandy soil up there as, uh, to boot. Well, it is, yes, yeah. yeah. So, look, I think that's definitely going to be the case for you at uh, you know at this point in time. Next year, I reckon we're going to get some rain. At, you're going to have a bumper uh, flower, uh, a lot of flowers with your alamander. The thing is, Scott, the neighbour behind, mm. she's got absolutely magnificent flowers in hers, um, and I, it's probably not quite as sandy. She's just a little bit further away from the water, but uh, I said to her the other day, what are you doing to your alamander? And she said, Nothing. <laughs> oh, no, I've been completely undone. I'm like a shoelace. That's, yeah, you know, that's I'm what I was going to say. I've just tripped over myself. Yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah. she, she does, she does um, put big sprays on hers and waters all the leaves and everything. Yeah, and look, and that could just be the case. Have you been doing anything like that with yours? I just water the roots, that's all. Yeah, I, look, I, I, again, I, I think it is just the, the, the conditions we've had with the rain, uh, especially with a tropical plant like Alamanda. Fair enough, for sure this is hope it rains. Yeah, I hope so. Scott, can I just ask you another one about tomatoes? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Always had excellent tomatoes, even though we've only lived in this house a couple of years. But uh, this year, they'd wilted away prior to the first of the crop even getting ripe. They were sort of dead. Is it um, something in the soil or...? Yeah, so uh, wilt is is a disease that uh, tomatoes can get. Uh, it's a fungal disease. Yep. Uh, they can also get wilt, uh, you know, because they might have nematodes down in the soil. Uh, look, nematodes, uh, the only way you can uh, see what, you know, is by pulling them out and seeing if there's like little nodules on the root system of the yeah, plant. Yeah, there is, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it sounds like you might have had nematodes and that's why it's wilted off like that. Uh, look, there's nothing you can actually go out and buy now to get uh, rid of nematodes. The, uh, the answer to that is to actually get mustard seeds and uh, sow that and grow the mustard in the same area and then till those that green mustard uh, leaf back into the soil and that releases some sort of odour which uh, scares the little nematode uh, parasitic worms away. Uh, Look, the other one I've heard about is molasses. Uh, I've never actually quite worked out how, you know, you apply that. I'm sure you must have to water it down and then water it, put it through the soil. But if anyone knows and they can ring up about that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, and marigolds and the, uh, planting marigolds around as well. Look, if you have had nematodes, mate, you're going to have to leave the tomatoes out of that soil and leave it fallow for this season coming up, like 2018, 19. Yep. And uh, treat with the mustard and the marigolds and uh, the molasses if we can get some further information about that. 
Okay, thank you very, very okay. much. Not a problem, mate. Have a good afternoon. And some great advice there for you, Richard. Now, we're heading to Balmoral. Good afternoon to you, Beth. You've got a question for Scotty about uh, getting rid of the fruit fly. I always think we go into the castle when you say that. It's, it sounds so good. <laughs> How can we help you, Beth? <laughs> Hi, Scott. Uh, last week we were listening in, and I unfortunately missed the beginning of your show today, but um, I wondered, somebody gave, I think it was you, or somebody came in with a recipe for fruit fly, which included Vegemite to be mixed with something else. Yes. And I've forgotten what the something else is. Yeah, so you make up a little paste and get one of those plastic takeaway containers and Mm. uh, hang a few of those in the tree with holes in it so that the fruit fly can get in there and have a bit of a feed. So, Mm. yes, you do use uh, uh, Vegemite. You can use an insecticide. Usually we recommend using Malathon. I guess if you wanted to use some pyrethrum or something, you could as well. But, look, using Malathon, it's not really... You're not spraying it around willy-nilly. It's, uh, you know, not something... Uh, you know, bad, you know, mixing it up like that. It's nice and contained. So, yeah, you just mix it up with the Malathon, you know, wear some gloves, mix it up in the, with the Vegemite, uh, just to, to a, you know, a nice consistency, not that it's watery or not that it's too thick, just so that, you know, there's something there, some moisture there for when the uh, fruit fly come in and have a bit of a feed uh, that they can actually suck it up and die. Okay, you know I mean? that, That's what we're trying to do. Let's... let's <laughs> At least I'll get a little bit of Vegemite, right? Give them a bit of a thrill before they pass away. Yes, yeah. Well, it would be un-Australian if we didn't do that, wouldn't it? But I, I remember it was probably about two or three weeks ago, a fellow called up and he said, look, he'd been having great success with it. You know, he'd been going out every morning sort of and getting rid of, uh, you know, 30 you know, dead fruit fly in each. I don't know how he was counting them because they're quite small. But uh, he said there were quite a lot, uh, you know, that he was getting rid of using that method. Yeah, I had a – I picked up from a, a – um, hardware shop some time ago a yellow stick thing mm. um, and it had like sticky goo yes, on it which yes. you couldn't see I hung that in the tree and that attracted just about everything that flew yep. um, <laughs> you didn't catch an eagle or anything like that did you or a seagull no, no but it was um, but it was it seemed to be quite effective but I, I've never seen them since so I don't know but um, I'll try this and see we've been pretty lucky with the fruit fly but it's best to get in early I think yeah, look and it is and uh, again if you've got you know a neighbour or someone who's you know letting uh, fruit drop to the ground and you know the fruit fly you know get in there obviously mm. so if you have got any fruit that's dropping to the ground always pick it up you don't want it to rot on the ground that's what really brings the flies in yeah okie doke then that's super okay. thank you okay. very thank much thank you elizabeth from right. balmoral yeah. thank you bye just like that scotty sharp we've run right out of time for gardening talkback we made it it's we happened. made it oh, there was skin of our teeth there at the start but we got there we got there Alrighty, thanks scotty yeah some great advice as always and you'll i think you'll have greg back next monday so you'll be okay 10 out of 10 Oh, what, what, what was today? What, a 1 out of 10 or something? No, I'm giving you 10 out of 10. Oh, for today. today okay. Yes, uh, yeah. Good. And who knows, you may be able to listen for Scotty Sharp uh, next time around later this week through the carpool karaoke <laughs> as well. No? No, no, that, that's, that's, that's a one-off. Down, yeah. That's a one-off, right. Mark's taken off for bad form. <laughs>